Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripe Show, episode 10. Thanks again for listening to last week's episode on the top five Yankee shortstops in Yankees history. And thanks again for listening to any of the other episodes you've gotten a chance to listen to. Again, the goal of the Historic Pinstripes is to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by preserving the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. Um, I just wanted to answer the last week's trivia questions. Um, the questions were, who was Bucky Dent traded for in 1982 and where was he traded to? The, uh, the answers were Lee Mazzilli, who was traded for Lee Mazzilli, and Bucky Dent ended up being traded to the Texas Rangers. And also the second question was, name two Yankees rookies who hit two home runs in one World Series game. And the answers were Tony Kubek and... Charlie Keller. Charlie Keller is actually a left fielder who we will be talking about today. And feel free to share your top five. Again, remember these top fives, they're subjective. So it's it's your preference. So feel free to share them on any of our social media, uh, any, on Twitter at HistoricNYY, or feel free to email us at HistoricPitchstripes at gmail.com. And you can also comment on Facebook and on Instagram as well, at Historic Pinstripes. Um, but if you would like, you could just keep, feel free to listen as well. Um, now on to the top five Yankees left fielders in Yankees history. We're going to start off with Bob Musel. Bob Musel was a right-handed, uh, right-handed hitter. He was 6'3", 190 pounds, from California, played 10 seasons with the New York Yankees, and helped the Yankees win three World Series titles. And in his career, he played... Over 5,470 at-bats with the Yankees. Had 1,693 hits with the Yankees. 156 home runs. Had a 309 batting average. 118 on-base plus slugging adjusted. Had a 386 weighted on-base average for his career in 10 seasons. And of course, weighted on-base average is the overall offensive contributions per plate appearance for a player. So that's a very good Woba um uh, uh, for a player, especially in 10 years. And his RBIs, he had 1,071. Um, his nickname was Silent Bob. He also had another nickname, Languid Bob, because of his outfield defense. Um, he was just kind of a, a very graceful outfielder, kind of like a, a Joe DiMaggio type, only he was in left field. And the Yankees actually did not have a whole lot of really really good left fielders. Like in center field, there's been a lot of center fielders like Mickey Mano, Joe DiMaggio, uh, Bernie Williams, um, there's a ton of them out there, but uh, but with left fielders, it's a it's it's a lot it's a little bit harder to choose from because a lot of them are older too, um, and a lot of the better ones. Um, however, uh, however, there are a lot of really good left fielders out there too. Um, like and there's even guys like Charles, uh, like Dave Dave Winfield, for instance, was a left fielder, but he actually played most of mostly right field in his Yankee career. Um, which actually I, I thought it was the opposite, but uh, he actually played mostly left field. Anyways, moving on uh, to Bob Musel. Like I said, they called him Languid Bob and Silent Bob. Um, he played nine seasons. Uh, he had nine seasons, or actually he played 10 seasons with the Yankees, but nine seasons with the Yankees, he had a 270 batting average or higher in at least 103 games or more. Um, and uh, in 1927, that's when he had his highest batting average. It was 339. He was mostly a contact hitter. 
and he hit eight home runs that year, 103 RBIs. Of course, that year, 1927, was the year that uh, Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs. I think Garrick hit 47 home runs. So Bob Musil wasn't there to hit home runs anyway. Um, and that really wasn't his thing anyway. But before Lou Gehrig came in 1925 when he stepped in for uh, Wally Pipp and never never let it go, um, he was the uh, Bob Musil was the guy that batted behind Babe Ruth. But of course, when Gehrig came, um, Bob Musil ended up, I think he batted behind Lou Gehrig. But anyways, uh, so he, he ended up hitting eight home runs, 103 RBIs in 1927 with a 337 batting average and 24 stolen bases. 135 on base plus slugging and a 412 weighted on base average, uh, which is very good. That's the highest weighted on base average he had in his career, which just measures the overall offensive contributions per plate appearance again. 1921, another one of his better years. Hit 24 home runs that year. Um, that might have been a career high for him as well, or at least it was up there. He had 138 RBIs, career high. 17 stolen bases that year, hit 318, 128 on base plus slugging, adjusted that year, 407 weighted on base average that year as well in 1921. He had four seasons with a 403 weighted on base average or higher in his career, and that's in at least 494 um, at-bats. 1925, he led the league in home runs and RBIs. He had 33 home runs that year and 134 RBIs, and I believe that was his career high. 290 batting average that year, had a 125 on-base plus slugging adjusted that year, and a 393 weighted on-base average as well that year. Played 156 games, and he only struck out 55 times. Um, and of course, back then, they really didn't strike out as much as the players do today. However, there there were some players that did strike out a lot, like Babe Ruth did strike out a lot, considering for the, for his time period, but for our time period, Babe Ruth really didn't strike out a lot. In 1928, um, Bob Musil hit 11 home runs and had 113 RBIs, which is seems like like usually players with over 100 RBIs usually have, like today they usually have like 20, 30 home runs, but um, or even like 10, 15, 20 years ago or so, um, or even 30 years ago, but usually you don't see that that few amount of home runs with that many RBIs. So it tells you that he was able to drive in a lot of runs, which actually getting a lot of home runs. Um, however, you know, he was a right-handed hitter in Yankee Stadium, so, I mean, I'm sure Death Valley probably um, contributed to that and took took away a lot of home runs from him, too, possibly. Um, he also, in 1928, with the 11 home runs and 113 RBIs, he also hit 297, had a 114 on-base plus slugging, a 371 weighted on-base average, and he played in 131 baseball games that year as well. In the postseason, he helped the Yankees to six World Series. The Yankees won three World Series titles in his tenure with the Yankees. They won in 1923, 1927, and 1928. And, of course, he was on the murderer's row, Yankees, in those two last two years. Um, 1922 and 23 were probably his best seasons. Um, 1921, World Series, Game 5. Top of the fourth, the game was tied at one. Um, Bob Musil hit a go-ahead RBI double um, in that game. 1923 World Series, Game 6, that was the game that the Yankees won the World Series in. And Bob Musil actually hit the go-ahead two-RBI double in the eighth inning, and that capped off a six-run inning. Um, and, of course, like I said, the Yankees won that World Series, and that was their first World Series championship in team history. So Bob Musil is definitely 
he was definitely a great great Yankee. Um, and I think he might have been if was if he wasn't a Hall of Famer, he was he was like borderline or something like that. I don't think he was a Hall of Famer, but he he was a very good uh, Yankee uh, left fielder, and definitely con in consideration for the top five Yankees left fielders. Um, moving on, we're going to move on to Hideki Matsui, who's more recent. Um, I think most Yankee fans remember him. He's he was a Japanese player, came over 2003 in the off season, um, played seven seasons with the Yankees. He was six foot two, 210 pounds. Um, he was he played in 2003, uh, 2003 to 2009. His best seasons may have been around like 2003 to 2005, but really his whole career was very good with the Yankees. He was a very consistent player. Um, I think he only had two years that he really didn't um, stay healthy that much, but um, he he was very very consistent. 2003, he was, um, he was second in Rookie of the Year to Angel Barojas in the Kansas City Royals, who was a shortstop. Um, but of course, I think they probably just didn't want to give him the Rookie of the Year award because he was already a professional baseball player, but in the J in the Japan League. Um, so they, I guess, he, and plus he was a little bit older too. Um, however, uh, Matsui that year in 2003, he had a 287 batting average, 16 home runs, and 106 RBIs. Uh, oh, uh, a 101 or 109 on base plus slugging adjusted, um, which is above average. He had uh, four seasons in his career with a 103 RBIs or more. He led the league in games played in 2003 as well with 163 games, which I found interesting. Also in 2004, um, he hit 298. He had a 137 on base plus slugging adjusted, 31 home runs, 108 RBIs, had a 391 weighted on base average, which was a career high for him. And of course, weighted on base average is your overall offensive contributions per plate appearance. Um, and uh, that was his career high, 391 for that. Uh, 2005, he hit over 300, 305, had a 130 on base plus slugging adjusted, um, which is very good. 23 home runs, 116 RBIs, 369 weighted on base average as well. Um, in his career with the Yankees anyway, because uh, he did play for the Angels and the Oakland A's later on. He played in uh, 916 games, over 3,300 at-bats in his career, had 140 home runs in, with the Yankees, 597 RBIs, 292 batting average with the Yankees. Um, he also had a 123 on-base plus slugging adjusted with the Yankees and a 357 weighted on base per, weighted on base average with the Yankees in his Yankee career as well. Actually, I think that's in his entire career with the Yankees and the A's and the um, the Angels as, as well. Um, he played at least 142 games in five of his seven seasons with the Yankees. Um, the only two seasons, I think, were 2007 and 2008 that he missed some considerable amount of time. Um, but he was very, he was always very uh, consistent with that pretty much every season he played in the major leagues. Um, he played five seasons, and uh, he hit 16 or more home runs in those five seasons. Four seasons, he had 23 or more home runs. Um, so he was very consistent. He usually, uh, he actually had one year where he hit 31 home runs, uh, but he usually he usually knew what you were going to get from Matsui. He was very clutch. He's actually known as a Red Sox killer, as you may remember, um, especially like in 2003, he had that big double in the eighth inning. Um, so he didn't, he, he hit a double to get on base, I think, and he ended up scoring, I think it was on Bernie's um, double. Uh, but, and that was in the eighth inning in 2003 in game seven. 
um, that I was talking about. And also, another year that he was very good in was 2009. Um, he had 28 home runs that year, 90 RBIs, hit 274, 123 OPS plus that year. And he also had a 380 weighted on base average as well. So um, even though 2009 was his last year with the Yankees, um, he, he still had a very good year. Um, he was he was he was very good throughout his entire career. He was clutch um, as well, especially in the postseason. He actually had 205 at bats in the postseason. He had 10 home runs. He had 39 RBIs. He had 312 in the postseason, 391 on base percentage. So I mean, the more at bats you have, the harder it is to uh, to to put up numbers like that. And he he really he he really uh, picked it up in the big spots. 2009, of course, he won the World Series MVP. Game six, he was three for four, six RBIs, and had a home run. And actually, he was better at every single level in in the in the postseason. The American League Division Series, I think he hit like in the 260s, like 268 or so. And in the World Series, he hit like 389. Um, and he had a, a on base percentage that year in the World Series, or on base percentage in his career in the World Series it was like over 400. So, I mean, he really he really stepped it up at each level. When the pressure got got the got the mo got the highest, Matsui uh, was ready for the challenge um, all the time. And, you know, he was a constant team player and professional. So, um, and he, he's definitely one of the best Yankee left fielders. Um, moving on, let's move on to Roy White. Roy White helped the Yankees win two World Series titles. He was a two-time All-Star, played 15 seasons for the Yankees. Roy White was a switch hitter. He was five foot ten, 160 pounds. Um, he's from Compton, California. Uh, he, in his career, he played over 1,800 games, over 700 and sorry, 7,700 plate appearances, and 1,800 hits. Um, 1,803 hits actually. 160 home runs. 100 or 758 RBIs. He had 117 stolen bases in his 15-season career, and 271 batting average, a 121 on-base plus slugging adjusted. He had a 347 or 397, no, 347 weighted on-base average. And in 1968, from 1968 to 1978, he had an above-average weighted on-base average, which, of course, was your overall um, offensive contributions per plate appearances. But, so, but he was above-average at that. Uh, throughout that 10-year period, which is very good. So he was very good for a long time. Uh, he never struck out more than 81 times in a single season. And actually, he was a cleanup hitter for the Yankees during like, from 1968 to 1974, 73, or whenever it was, um, when they started getting better. And, uh, you know, when they got Munson and Chambliss, that's kind of when they went, he went to the, the two-spot in the lineup behind Mickey Rivers. Um but he went through some, some tough years with the Yankees in the late 60s and early 70s um, before they got really good. 1968 was probably his breakout year. Played 159 games, 17 home runs, 62 RBIs. He had 20 stolen bases. He had a 267 batting average, 137 on-base plus slugging adjusted, and a 348 weighted on-base average as well. His breakout year was in 1968. Played 159 games. He had 17 home runs, 62 RBIs, 20 stolen bases, hit 267, 137 on-base plus slugging adjusted, 
And he had a 348 weighted on base average, which of course is your overall offensive contributions per plate appearance. Um, his best seasons were uh, 1970 and 71, I'd say. Um, and also, also he had an All-Star game appearance in 1969 as well. Um, his other All-Star game appearance was 1970. In 1970, he had a 296 batting average. He had a 142 on-base plus slugging adjusted. He had 22 home runs, 94 RBIs, 24 stolen bases, um, played in 162 games. I think he did that twice in his career. That was a career high, of course. Usually you can't play more than that, uh, unless it's like a playing game or something like that. Um, he only struck out 66 times as well um, that year, and he had a weighted on-base average in 1970 of 380, which is very, very good. 1971, he had a 292 batting average. 149 on base plus slugging adjusted, 19 home runs, 84 RBIs, had 14 stolen bases, and he, he also played in 147 games that year with a 382 weighted on base average as well. He led the league in walks in 1972 with 99, and he also led the league in runs scored in 1976 as well with 104. And he had eight seasons of 10 or more home runs in his career which is kind of surprising for 1968 to 77. And it's a kind of a long period of time too. Um, and also he hit in all 10 postseason games in 1978. And actually, um, uh, before we get into the postseason, he, um, Billy Martin uh, really, I guess he, Roy White said he really enjoyed playing for Billy Martin because uh, he, he, liked, he liked the style of play that Roy White had and like Roy White liked he liked playing like he liked hit and run and uh running and and doing all the little things bunting and stuff like that he was he was more that style player like I was saying before he hit cleanup a lot because the Yankees needed him too and they didn't have a a lot of really great players he was basically the guy then um but once they got better and they had guys like Thurman Munson and Reggie Jackson and Chris Chambliss, he didn't have to do that. And he could just be more himself, which was more of a two hitter. And, um, then that's where he really, he really relished that. Um, but in, in 1978, he actually hit in all 10 postseason games, um, that year in, in, uh, the American league championship series and the world series helped the Yankees win two world series titles, 77 and 78. Roy White hit for a 316 batting average in the American League Championship Series games. He played 13 of those in his career, and he hit two home runs in 1978, one in the League Championship Series and one in the World Series. And actually, uh, one thing about his defense, he in one year, 1971, Roy White never made one error, um, and that was in 145 games in, in, the, in the outfield. So he, he was a very, very good defensive outfielder left fielder for the Yankees. Um, uh, also in 1978, game four, that's the, that's the game the Yankees won that, that American League Championship Series, but the go-ahead home run was hit by Roy White. Um, so he, he was, he definitely did have some clutch moments, and I mean, his postseason numbers reflect that as well. Moving on, Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner, of course, a lot of people um, uh, know about him. You know, he's the current Yankee left fielder and obviously center fielder whenever they need him in center field, which is usually a lot because of the injuries they've had recently. Um, and uh, Brett Gardner is a walk-on in college. He played for the College of Charleston in South Carolina. He's from Holly Hill, South Carolina. 
Um, he's, uh, uh, in his career, he's played 12 seasons with the Yankees. His next will be his 13th with the Yankees. Um, he has over 5,200 at-bats with the Yankees, 124 home runs, 524 RBIs, and he had 267 stolen bases in his career so far. Um, which actually, I think that's in the top five or maybe even the top three or so um, in stolen bases in Yankees history. Um, he had a he has a 101 on base plus slugging adjusted in his career, a 260 batting average in his career, 327 weighted on base average, which is pretty good um, in his career as well. Um, he started in around 2008. He actually was a role player too when he started, and I remember he uh, um, well he's obviously always been a very gritty player, um, he, and he's really worked his way up into being a starter, an everyday player. Um, who the Yankees know they can rely on, um, but it it took them it took them a long time to 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 it took took him a long time to get to get their trust to get to to become the starting left fielder and even the starting center fielder at times too. Um, so Brett Gardner is definitely among the best left fielders in the game, um, or at least in the in Yankee history anyway. I I don't know if I would say he's still one of the best left fielders in the game defensively. I would say he definitely is still. Because he's very good defensively still, even though he is older, he can still play a very good left field and a very good center field for that matter, as well. Because he's he's a very good athlete, um, and he's one of those players that most fans or pretty much all fans love to love to see. Um, he goes out there, plays hard, gives it his all every single time out, and that's all fans want like to see. And um, and 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 uh, you know, he just gives it his all, and that's a great thing to see. Um, 2010, he had a breakout season. Um, he had 47 stolen bases that year, 277 batting average. He had a 105 on-base plus slugging adjusted that year. He played in 150 games in 2010. I think that was the most he ever played in. Um, he had a 346 weighted on-base average, which was very good. He led the league in 2011 in stolen bases, 49 stolen bases that year. And that was in 159 games. That's a career-high amount of games um, that he's ever played in. 2013... He uh, led the league in triples. Um, he had 10 that year. 2014, he led the league in sacrifice hits with 13. Um, and also in 2016, uh, he won a Gold Glove Award. He probably could have won a Gold Glove Award before that. There was a few other years there he could have won some Gold Glove Awards. But um, there, there have been some good left fielders out there um, recently. Uh, Alex Gordon's one of them that comes to mind. Um, but Brett Gardner has been in the running for Gold Gloves for a while uh, and of course, too nowadays with the Google Love Award, um, there are some players that you know. Um, I mean, back in like the '60s and the '70s, when they first started the Google Love Award, they gave it out to just three outfielders, and didn't matter what your position was. Now they give it out to the specific outfielders. Like they give it out a Google Love for left, Google Love for right, Google Love for center. Before it would just be for the best three best outfielders, regardless of position. Um, so it's a little bit different now. In 2015, um, he made the All-Star team. Um, that was the only year he's ever made the All-Star team. 2017 was probably his most well-balanced year as he as a Yankee or as a as a as a player really. Um, he had 21 home runs that year, 23 stolen bases, 104 on-base plus slugging adjusted. He had a 3.36 weighted on-base average, and he played in 151 games that year as well. 
And in the postseason, um, you know, even in the regular season, you know, he's been he's kind of like Matsui. Gardner is known as being a clutch player. Um, I remember there was one game in May of 2017 against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. Um, I think the Yankees were they, – they, they were they were struggling. I think they were struggling at the time before that game. Um, and, and, and obviously in the game they were behind, and he had a big three-run home run at the top of the ninth, um, and the Yankees ended up winning the game, and he was rounding the bases and pumping his fist and yelling, and it really seemed like it got the Yankees going after that. Um, and he's he's kind of like he's like a fire a fire starter like he he he's a catalyst for the Yankees. He 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 as Gardner goes, the Yankees usually go as they say, and he's he definitely is one of their leaders. Um, another one of his big hits was 2017 in the American League Wild Card game. He had the game tying home run in the second inning. Of course, the Yankees went on to win that that game against the Twins. So he is a clutch player, and definitely um, worthy of being on the top five Yankees left fielder uh, rankings. Um, moving on, you got Hector Lopez, another Yankee left fielder. Um, he's from Panama. Um, he helped the Yankees win two World Series titles. Played in the 1960s, 1959 to 1966. Um, Hector Lopez was mostly a role player, but he did play a lot of left field from 1960 to 1964. He was five foot 11, 180 pounds. He played eight seasons with the Yankees, again, like I said, from 1959 to 1966. Um, in his career, he played over 2,700 plate appearances, 262 batting average, had a 101 on-base plus slugging adjusted, same as Gardner's in his career. Um, and he had 69 home runs in his career, so he wasn't a home run hitter. Um, 322 RBIs, and also he had a 331 weighted on-base average. So he had a, he had a very solid career. Um, especially for a guy who was a role player and moved around a lot. Um, and he probably didn't play all the time, but he did play quite a bit. His best season was in 1957, or actually 1959. He had 112 games, 16 home runs, 69 RBIs, 118 on-base plus slugging adjusted, a 283 batting average, and a 353 weighted on-base average that year, which is very good. Um, and again, weighted on base average is your overall offensive contributions per plate appearances. Um, uh, the, uh, Hector Lopez had three seasons of 10 or more home runs with the Yankees, six of eight seasons with 108 or more games played. And again, he didn't always play left field, but um, from 1964, or 1960 to 1964, he played a lot of left field, mostly left field in his career in that time span. In his postseason career, Hector Lopez had 31 plate appearances, 15 games. He had a 286 batting average, 333 on base percentage, one home run, seven RBIs, and six strikeouts in 31 plate appearances as well. And his best series were 1960 and 1961. 1961 in the World Series, game five um, uh, versus the Reds. He was two for four with five RBIs, home run, and a triple. Might um, Probably one of his best games anyway. Uh, he had an RBI triple in the first inning, and um, they ended up scoring five runs that inning. And then they had another five-run inning in the fourth inning, and he, uh, Hector Lopez had a three-run home run that inning as well. Um, and the Yankees won that game in the series, but they won the game 13-5. to And, of course, they went on to win that series. I think that, that, game, that series might have been a five-game series as well in 1961. But I just wanted to mention Hector Lopez as well as being one of the Yankees' better uh, left fielders. Um, I don't think I would consider him 
as one of their top five Yankee left fielders, but he's definitely in the running. Um, Charlie Keller is another guy I wanted to mention. King Kong Keller, they called him. Um, and uh, he played 13 seasons with the Yankees. Left-handed hitter. Uh, and he threw right-handed. Uh, 5'10", 185 pounds. Like I said, he was a left-handed hitter, and he wasn't necessarily a pull hitter. But the Yankees wanted him to, to be a pull hitter because he hit some monumental, some really high, massive fly balls. That's why they called him King Kong Keller. And he really didn't like that nickname because of because of because of the whole situation, how they wanted him to be a pull hitter, and basically they wanted him to, to take the, the the spot of Babe Ruth um, because they thought he could be the next Babe Ruth. And he had, they actually held him back in the minor leagues for a couple of years, even 1937 when he was like the rookie of the year and he was a player of the year. I think it was 37 or 38, I'm not sure, um, for the Newark Bears, their class AAA team, I think it was at the time. Um, uh, because they did the minor leagues were a little bit different back then. Um, but anyways, he also won a batting title down there too. But I mean, uh, so it took him a, a couple of years before he got to the major leagues. Um, probably a couple of years, definitely a couple of years too long. He could have, he could have really, um, he could have really had some be- better numbers if it wasn't for that. However, he even said after 1937, after, um, uh, he 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 really didn't. He he wasn't a pull hitter, and he knew he wasn't and. He just he said that they can save Babe Ruth's crown for someone else after 1937. So I mean, you can see why he didn't like the the label King Kong Keller, and um, you know because he probably really resented the fact that they tried to turn him into a pole hitter, and it really cost cost him a couple of years in the major leagues. He wanted to be in the major leagues, and he thought he could help the Yankees, um, and and he didn't really. He didn't really think it was there was any need to tinker with his swing because he thought his, his swing was fine. And looking at the numbers that he put up in the in that in the minors, you know, when he kind of he proved them wrong and ended up, of course, coming into the major leagues around 1939. And that was actually not until McCarthy invited him to spring training in 1939, and that's where um, he ended up learn, coming to respect Joe McCarthy a lot. He had a lot of respect for him. However, they, I guess McCarthy must have seen that he didn't, um, he didn't like, you know, he didn't like uh, being a pole hitter. He wasn't a pole hitter. However, he did make the team that year in 1939. Um, I think he ended up, he'd been, he was hurt in the beginning of the year, and he ended up starting like toward the end of April. And then, but he was with the Yankees the entire, his entire career after that. And um, in his career with the Yankees, played over 3,700 at-bats, um, 1,085 hits, 189 home runs, had a 286 batting average, um, a 152 on-base plus slugging adjusted, 428 weighted on-base average. 1939, he had a 334 batting average, 447 on-base percentage, 143 on-base plus slugging adjusted. Had a 436 weighted on-base average, and that was in 440 plate appearances for Charlie Keller in 1939. So he put up some big numbers when he as soon as he got up to the majors. Six seasons of 405 on-base percentage and at least 111 games um, in his career with the Yankees. Um, and actually, he only played with the Yankees in his career. He was fifth in the MVP in 1941, the same year of Ted Williams, I think, hit over, the last time someone hit over 400, um, 406, I think. And uh, Joe DiMaggio, that was his 56-game hitting streak. He, I think, ended up winning the MVP. But Charlie Keller was fifth in the MVP that year. He had a very, very good year as well. One of the best players in the game. 
at that time. Um, 140 games played that year, 298 batting average, had 162 on base plus slugging adjusted, which, um, you know, he, he, was just, he was well above average there. Um, he had a 450 weighted on base average, which is very good. Um, 33 home runs that year, 122 RBIs. And also, he never had an on-base plus slugging adjusted under 100, which 100 is average, but his was never under that. And also, Charlie Keller played four straight seasons with 21 or more home runs, 1940, 19, 1940 to 1943, and 1946 were the years um, that he had 21 or more home runs. Three seasons, he had 30 or more home runs as well. Five seasons, he had 102 walks. And he also led the league in walks three times in his career. Um, so, I mean, he, he had a very good career. He did miss uh, one year for the war, World War II. I think 44, 45, I'm not sure. I think it was 45. But anyways, he did miss one year uh, for the war in the 1940s. However, um, after the war, he really didn't get as much playing time after that for whatever reason, whether it was injuries or, or whatever. Um, but he yeah he did have one more good year in 1940 really good year in 1946 as well um, in the postseason though he helped the Yankees to win three World Series titles um, they went to four World Series in his time with the Yankees in his career he played 19 games with the New York Yankees 74 at bats had a 306 batting average a 367 on base percentage in the postseason and five home runs and 18 RBIs Charlie Keller's best seasons were best series were probably 1939 and 1941 in the postseason. Um, he hit in every single game in the 1939 World Series against the Reds. 1939 World Series Game 4, Charlie Keller was up in the top of the seventh. He had a goal ahead, solo home run, and the Yankees ended up winning that, ga that game 7-4. In 1941, World Series Game 4, top of the ninth, um, RBI double by Charlie Keller to take the lead. The Yankees won the game 7-4. Um, Charlie Keller was four for five in that game in '41, uh, Game Four. He he was four for five, three RBIs and two doubles. Game Three of the 1941 World Series, he was in the top of the eighth. He had an RBI single, and the Yankees went up two to nothing, and they won the game two to one. Uh, in 1942, in the World Series, Game Two, um, top of the eighth, Charlie Keller hit a two-run home run to tie the game. So he had some big moments with the Yanks, and he's definitely in the mix for the top five Yankee left fielders of all time. Next up I wanted to mention was Tom Tresh, who was a switch hitter. Again, kind of like uh, Hector Lopez was also kind of a role player, but he did play quite a bit of left field with the Yankees. Um, he was a three-time All-Star with the Yankees. Two All-Star games, actually, because they had two All-Star games for a little while in like the 60s or so. Um, 1962, uh, 1962 was a Rookie of the Year as well. He um, had a 356 weighted on base average, played in 159 baseball games that year, 20 home runs, uh, 75 RBIs, had a 286 batting average, career high, on base plus slugging adjusted, 116 that year as well. Um, he was 6'1", 180 pounds from Michigan, career 4,251 at-bats, 1,041 hits. And he also had 153 home runs, 530 RBIs in his career. Um, he had a 245 batting average, 113 on-base plus slugging adjusted, a 334 weighted on-base average as well. And he also played eight and a half seasons with the Yankees. And uh, the half season came his last year um, in baseball with the Detroit Tigers. And then after, after that, he retired. 
Uh, he played three seasons um, in left field mostly because, like I said, he was a role player. But three full seasons he had in left field, uh, at least for the most part, with the Yankees because he was a role player. Um, he, he was a Gold Glove Award winner in 1965 um, in left field or in the outfield rather because, like I said, was saying before, um, when I was talking about Brett Gardner, you know, in the 60s, they when they first had the Gold Glove Award, they announced it that they had the award for all, for just wasn't specific outfield positions it was just for any out, the best outfielders um he and he won one of them in 1965 uh he had four seasons where he had 20 or more home runs 27 home runs career high in 1966 eight seasons with 11 or more home runs 130 or more games as well in eight seasons in his career as well um his best season was 1963 as well as 1962 63, he had 614 plate appearances, 25 home runs, 71 RBIs, had a 269 batting average, a 140 on-base plus slugging adjusted, and a 377 weighted on-base average as well that year. In the postseason, he helped the Yankees win a World Series title his rookie year in 1962. Um, played 13 games, 75 at bat or plate appearances. He had a 277 batting average in his entire postseason career. Tom Tresh also had a 351 on base percentage, four home runs in the postseason, 13 RBIs, and his best series was probably 1962. And he also hit in every single game but game six in 1962 with the Yankees as well. So um, Tom Tresh did have some clutch moments with the Yanks, as, uh, such as 1962, game five, the World Series, two for three. He had three RBIs. He had a go-ahead three-run home run in the bottom of the eighth, and the Yankees ended up winning that game 5-2. to two. 1963, World Series Game 1, um, he had a two-run home run off of Sandy Koufax in the bottom of the eighth. Those were the only two runs the Yankees scored in that game. However, it was Sandy Koufax, and he, um, that's always something when you can get a big hit off of Sandy Koufax in a World Series game. Koufax ended up uh, completing the game um, and helped the Dodgers win the game. And, of course, the Dodgers won that series as well. 1964 World Series Game 2 against the Cardinals. Um, he had a go-ahead RBI single in the sixth inning, and the Yankees won the game 8-3. to And in Game 5, World Series of the 1964 World Series, he had a two-run home run in the ninth inning off of Bob Gibson with two outs in the ninth. Um, however, the Cardinals did um, – they later won in the tenth. But, uh, but anytime you can get a big hit, big home run – um, against Bob Gibson, um, you know, so that that's a big moment for Tom Tresh. Tom Tresh, so Tom Tresh definitely has some big moments for the Yanks. Um, but anyways, moving on, when it's time to rank the Yankee top five left fielders in Yankees history. Number one, Charlie Keller. Number two, Bob Musil. Number three, Roy White. Number four, Hideki Matsui. And number five, Brett Gardner. I decided to go with Charlie Keller ultimately because year to year, I just felt like his numbers were just just better than... Bob Musil's Bob Musil was very very good as well. Um, actually, I didn't realize just how good either one of those two guys were, but they were both very very good. Um, Roy White was also a very good player, very consistent, very similar to Hideki Matsui actually, um, maybe just a little bit different in the way that they played. I think Hideki Matsui was more of a well, well I guess Hideki was he, he was a contact hitter, but just more of a maybe more of a power hitter though than Roy White. Um, but I mean, he was still a very good player as well. Uh, however, I, just, I decided to go with Roy White over him. He did play 15 seasons with the Yankees, um, but they were both very good. 
um, everyone on the, this list. I mean, you, you have to be very good to be in the top five. Uh, and then Brett Gardner I decided to go with because, you know, Brett Gardner's really, um, he's he's really come a long way with the Yankees, and he's he's been one of their most steady players for quite a while, knock on wood. I mean, uh, he's, he's definitely deserving of being the top five Yankee left fielder, in my opinion. But anyways, so that's my top five. What's your top five? Feel free to share your top five on Twitter at HistoricNYY or feel free to comment on Facebook on, on the Historic Pinstripes show or feel free to comment on Instagram at Historic Pinstripes. And again, you don't have to uh, share your top five if you don't want to. You can just listen. That's fine too. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the top five Yankees left fielders in Yankees history. Again, mine is Charlie Keller, Bob Uzo, Roy White, Hideki Matsui, and Brett Gardner. And as always, go Yankees!